Undenied king of Twitter thought experiments, and also the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 130. It's Slim. Welcome to the show, uh, uh, papercake.com. Uh, we talk about the books we're reading, new and old, and we'll do a book club at the end of the show. Hot book right now from a hot creator. Physically. Image Get into it. Comics. The Five Ghosts of Fabian Cortez. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the title of that book, Slim? What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? There's a space coming right off did the I rails. Say, did I say Cortez? I meant you Gray. Did. Yes, you did. Fabian Gray. <laughs> There's no editing. Hates our show. There's no already. editing that. That just got to stay in. <laughs> Cortez. <laughs> Such fervor. Uh, Fabian Cortez, uh, little known B character in the next arc of Fabian Gray. Um, welcome to the show. He has five other literary ghosts that uh, haunt him. <laughs> He has Moriarty as one yeah, of his ghosts. There you go. Uh, Papercake.com. We talk about you know the books we're reading, but there's three men on this show that I wouldn't want to do a podcast without unless it was for work. Uh, one unpublished writer that we all know and love. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, just an amazing show, this paper keg, and happy to be a part of it. Like that hat. Tell you what. You just <laughs> amen nod at me? It's peak season, Slim. Season of Peak season. Dale underscore A, our final host. He had a great day on Twitter today. He's just chatting it up with comic creators. He's a phenom on there. Welcome to the show. May have simultaneously tweeted at and got responses from one Chris Somney, one Kurt Busick. High five, internet. Was the conversation with Kurt Busick about Astro City at all? Save for the show. Oh my heavens. Uh, And then we, we close out the show. With your uh, letters, perhaps, if we have time. I don't know if we'll have time this week. Um, Big show. Really big show. Five Ghosts has been bandied about uh, for a long time, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting a lot of love. And we had to jump on that train because we loved it, question mark? Spoilers. Spoilers. I think... I, I think if you've listened to this show, hopefully you know already that we might have some feelings about it. Because I talked about, I feel like I've talked about this book for like eight months. It feels like 
I concur with the fact yeah, that we for have feelings. F- for the five issues that are in this arc probably have been talked about. Yeah. Five um, different episodes. We also talked about possibly, well, I talked about it by myself in this text conversation that we had about possibly doing some kind of big, epic, year-end thing that might happen. Big. Huge. Yeah. I'm excited for that, too. We gotta, we're going to have to uh, put our uh, think tank hats on. This is something out of the ordinary, not normally segmented for the show, meaning things will derail terribly. <laughs> like a New Jersey Transit commuter train, and Slim will retweet everything people hate about it. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with retweeting and Jersey Transit hate all night long. I wish you would do. do it every morning. I wish I could wake up yeah. to just a myriad of those tweets. Not just when you're having a bad commute, but when everybody's anybody's having a bad Seeing commute. Seeing other people tweet about having a terrible commute makes your commute worthwhile. Absolutely. The people that would literally wish death upon the person manning the New Jersey Transit Twitter account is magical to see. But uh, And she's a probably podcast. a 22-year-old intern in a college dorm somewhere. She's not even a person. If she's still alive, after all that yeah. vitriol. Interns aren't real people. Losers. <laughs> Uh, so let's get into the comic talk. Uh, a book that you read, Jonesy Loves Beer. Please give it to us. I'm caught between two titles because that's all I read uh, this week. But for the group, I want to talk about this book from Boom called, I'm sorry, Dynamite, not Boom. Sherlock Holmes Moriarty Lives. I guess you guys could have guessed that would have been so, one of my reads. That's almost that's almost as embarrassing as saying Fabian Cortez in the show <laughs> intro. I didn't get the character name wrong. Okay, all right. So real He's, real quick, uh, this book takes place right after the uh, Reichenbach Falls, which is the death of Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, uh, allegedly in the uh, Arthur Conan Doyle stories, and Moriarty kind of washes up. Oh, the shores of this small town, and he, uh, you know, he steals a, a, a pair of clothes, and he decides that he just needs a, you know, a good meal and a drink and get himself together, and he embroils himself into a local struggle uh, where, like, a, a baron has taken over this town. He's kind of like a crime lord, and Moriarty is already a crime lord, so he immediately takes offense to this proposition. And uh, there's a, some heavy character introducing. And uh, quite nicely, Moriarty is shown to have the same deductive powers as Holmes. So there was some kind of sprinkles of the Sherlock Holmesian stories. Uh, not a super strong start to the series because there is so many characters thrown at you and so many different hmm. relationships. But I think because there's a lack of... Holmes comics properties out there. I might continue to read to see if it gets a little better. You're a big fan of the Holmes properties. I am definitely. I got something big I got fan. into in the last couple of years. Is this the? It's not Daniel Corey writing, is it? Uh, hang on one second. I'll check. Didn't he do that Moriarty uh, series? Now, I loved uh, the Moriarty series, but I don't know if he. Hang on one second. Moriarty probably like it if you talk into the mic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, David Liss writing and Daniel Indro illustrating and Dale A. cracking jokes. Fabian Cortez on colors. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, uh, listen. It, it's worth it, though, if there's if you're looking for something. By the power of Fabian Cortez, I will talk about my next book. And I'm going to shock you right now. Do it. I'm Please. ready. My body is ready. I want to shock you by talking about another Marvel Knights book that I am in love with. Marvel, oh, I'm, Marvel Knights. I'm ready you heard to about be this? shocked. You heard I'm about ready this? to be shocked. I have a feeling. So I'm throw it out there. Marvel Knights Spider Man is out. Spider Man X Men is out. And we get and the iron and board. It's a rekindling of the Marvel Knights line from yesteryear with Joey Q, Jimmy P. You know, they, they were in charge of this Marvel Knights line, which reinvigorated our own Jones. He loves beers. Love for one daredevil. That is true. Um, although it also had a Punisher that was come back from the dead to stop crime with his angel gun. But that's besides the point. So Marvel Knights is out of continuity. Here are some creators. You can do whatever the heck you want. So Joe Keating and Piotr... Kowalski are taking over the Hulk version of Marvel Knights. Piotr Kowalski uh, draws sex from Image. Uh, Joe Keating, you might have read his Morbius stuff, Dale. I know you're a big two guy. Big two meaning oh, yeah. Marvel and Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the book opens up with Banner in France kind of just looking like a drunkard on a train and he's washed up in this famous river. I didn't pay attention to that stuff. But uh, this chick kind of wants to help him on the train and she doesn't but eventually on a ride home she sees him just kind of washed up in the water with bullet wounds. So she takes him in. He doesn't have any memory of what happened, where he is. He didn't know he was in France. Um, And so they're staying at her uncle's kind of gallery so they both leave to go out on kind of like a to get coffee or whatever. Obviously, there's there's love in the air, right to right to begin with. And these people are coming after Banner, so they come to the uncle's place, and bad stuff happens. And so they they see Banner, but they don't just try to shoot him or whatever, but they inject themselves with a serum to turn them into like mega hulks. And they, the chase is on, and they make Banner angry, but he doesn't change right away. You actually don't even see him as the Hulk in this entire issue. Something happens at the end, which maybe will lead into that, but uh, the the villain behind the scenes is kind of like this daughter of AIM, it sounds like. Maybe she, like her parents worked for AIM or formed AIM, and she's like out to prove them wrong that, that she can do good and all this other stuff. I thought it was great. It's like I don't I don't really I don't like reading Hulk comics, but because right. it was Marvel Knights, I was like, all right, so this is by jumping on point to a Hulk story. It's not like a Hulk series, it's one of four. I really enjoyed it. I like uh just in general the Marvel Knights titles because it kind of feels like detective comics almost where you're not always confronted with a big mythological story about one of your favorite characters. It's just, you know, mm. let's step into the world of the Hulk for five issues and it's not going to change the face of the Hulk and you know the the character is not going to be totally redefined but you are going to get like a real entertainment value out of a character you know and love and you really don't need to know much about it going in 
mm-hmm. or much about where it's going to go when you're done. And that's like the genius of Marvel Knights, like street level rompy books. Yeah. And I, th- yeah. I think it's a little different too because the original Marvel Knights were ongoings. They weren't limiteds. Right. Too, correct. But these are strictly limiteds. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool what they're trying, like they're just experimenting with this current reissue of the Marvel Knights line. I really like that. And remember they did that with, um, like they tried to do their own thing with um, what was it, Tales of Suspense, a couple years ago. Mm-mm. There's like real wacky stories. Um, hmm. It just made me think of like Marvel, kind of going outside of the norm with this kind of stuff. I really like that they're doing it. Yeah, I hope they do more because Brevoort is always saying how limited series don't sell all that well. So I'm hopefully that the this stuff sells. I mean, the Spider Man Spider Man series is bonkers. The art on that thing is like you just took some yeah. drugs. Some psychedelic mushrooms, mm. and it's great. And I love. I talked about the X Men one before, so that's always uh, that's a winner too. But yeah, check it out if you want. No skin off my back. Just trying to help you out here. Just trying to help people out. We appreciate I'm a, that. I'm a total sap for uh, what could be like th- what you uh, how you explain the possible cliffhanger where he could potentially change. Like I'm a total sap for stories and ends of books that end like that because you know you're just like want to it was like, yeah, yeah it was, he's going to turn and kick a yeah it know? was a great ending and and he even he doesn't even know he's the hulk he just has like he talks to this girl he has like a feeling that there's something inside of him that he's afraid of and they don't even he doesn't he doesn't even know that he is which is pretty cool that's so. pretty cool oh yeah oh he doesn't even know Mm-mm. no yeah he doesn't wow. know who he is he doesn't even have wow. any idea of what happened before he woke up in the water um, so the hulk uh that's great Dale underscore A. Twitter ah. celeb. Can we can we still classify you as a Twitter celeb these days? Have you gone higher than celeb? What's higher than celeb? No, I don't think I'm higher than celeb. Twitter it's icon? T- it, well, maybe. Could be. Living, living legend on Twitter. What did you read this week? Astro City. Oh, Number my. seven. Oh, my. Perfect jumping on point. Uh, if you folks out there haven't read the first first six issue, might feel a little overwhelmed buying six issues uh, to get to where it's it's up to now. This is a perfect place to jump on. It um, it gets into uh, the winged victories kind of side of life, and winged victory is kind of like the Wonder Woman type character in this world. And she does a lot to help um, women's rights. Like uh, she, she sets up shelters for battered women, and she set up like self-defense schools for women to protect themselves. And she's very much into uh, you know the the women in politics and stuff like that. She backs them, and you get a little backstory, and it's because she was set up. She had um, been broken up and cheated on by a man, and. You know, she was feeling down in the dumps and she ended up going to France, I believe, and she saw a a statue. It's in the Louvre. I believe it's called Winged Victory or something like that. And she started having dreams about, well, she was inspired by this statue because it's a headless, armless statue because it's, you know, it's ancient, but it's of a a winged angel and the power 
that it inspired. Like it just looked like even with no head and no arms, it was just a powerful piece to look at. She felt inspired. Then she ended up getting contacted by this sort of society backed by, you know, powerful women in positions to help, um, you know, other women in need. And they kind of backed her to be this winged victory superhero type character. And that sets up her side of the story. And then what, what's happening is all these like bad super villainesses were apprehended because they were like busting up a uh, some rally. When, and what's cool about Busick's Astro City is um, there was a superhero in, heroine there that it was like putting on a demonstration because, you know... Uh, a new cell fo- a cell phone maker who made a new phone like sponsored her to be there, and that's kind of the Astro City twist because just in a bit of dialogue, this superhero happens to be there because she is the face for this super uh, for the cell phone. So she's there, and she happens to apprehend the three villainesses that are like busting up the party and and robbing banks and stuff, and they start blabbering on air that they basically throw Winged Victory under the bus, who's a superhero, and they're saying, yeah, we're just tired of Winged Victory, you know, keeping us down. She pays us, and she's been ordering us to do all this, and they're trying to deface her publicly. Wow. publicly. And she's just put in this position. She's like, I don't quite know what to do. And she's and Winged Victory's kind of seeing the uh, Good Samaritan, which is the Superman in this um, world, and uh, he's kind of there, like, as soon as he hears about it, he's, like, hovering up and behind her, and she's just, like, in midair thinking about things. And she's like, you can stop hovering, you can come talk to me now. Like, And he's like, I, you know, I'm generally concerned, I really want to help. But it would, you know, it's the whole, the publicity of it all, like, he can't be, you know, if he helps her, he could be, she could be seen as weak and needing a man's help. And, you know, it's not his, and he has enough PR problems as it is. So it's kind of all on her to figure out what's going on here. And it just sets up a great story uh, moving forward. And the art within uh, is just brilliant. And Alex Ross does all the covers mm, for the book. Yeah. Completely amazing. I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful book. I love specifically about Astro City. You know, Busick, when he uses these archetypes uh, to tell stories that he could never get away with in the big two, and by that I mean Image of Marvel, um, he just really wants to tell stories with Superman Wonder Woman that would never like hit the editor's table like it would never make it so he's got his own universe where he can do whatever he wants and he can tell whatever story he wants and they're all amazing each story that he gets to tell is really heartfelt and really just well thought out and Astro City is just the perfect comic book yeah, and, and and that reminds me, I, I really wanted to get into the la- his letters page. And in his letters page, it was just one letter, and he called it the letter of the month. I he might I can't remember if he does that every month or not, but he'll pick the best letter. And the and the letter was uh, from a fan who liked the book, but he was kind of um, expressing his displeasure that sometimes in the Astro City books, Busick will, will make make a character for one or two issues and never use them again. And the you know the character obviously ends up being likable, 
and a good vehicle to tell Busick's story. And and the fan was just very displeased with the fact that you never see these people again. And Busick actually, like his his page reply nearly is just inspiring for what he believes is Astro City to the core. And he's like, I'm sorry you you disagree with my use of, you know, certain characters maybe once or twice, but I really have, uh, you know, a chance to tell these stories. And if I, you know, need these characters for uh, just one arc, then that's the way it's going to be because, you know, you may love them, and but you you know I always want to keep you wanting more. Hmm. And he goes on to say, like you know, he has he just starts explaining that he's got a four issue arc coming up, and he's got two issue arcs, and he's got single issues planned. And I don't know, it's just like it was like a mission statement for Astro City. He was probably at Kinko's all night getting his mission statement printed up for the big meeting in the next like morning. Like Tom, me and yep. Tom, yeah. And then it's he gets a mission statement. Then he gets kicked out of the office. And then he does that move where he's like, I know you're all expecting me to freak out. <laughs> and then, then he inspires Dorothy. <laughs> Astro Fish. City. My word. I really, I mean, you should really man, read this book. I, I, I actually missed episode or issues four, five, and six, but I'm so inspired to go back and read them because... B- this might be my favorite book. Oh my! I'm, save it for the show. Save it for maybe future shows. I don't know. Oh, it feels so good. That, just, that was a slip of the tongue. I feel like slip openly weeping right now that that this is finally out. Dale has kicked the goon to the side. He's talking about Astro City. Uh, not even a part of his big two. It was shocking to me. Shocking. Yeah, it's we, my only. We need one to. Of the third. We need to just let that simmer for a couple weeks. We'll come back to it. Two sentences or less. Another book that you read. Jonesy loves beer. Justice League 3000, issue one. Friends, do me a favor. When you're switching your kitty litter or bird poop newspaper, help out DC Comics and spread this on the bottom of the cage with the garbage and poop where it belongs. (laughs) Garbage and poop. Oh, my God. Batman 26, zero year. I'm not sure if I like this new Jim Gordon background. Not sure if I like it one gosh darn bit. Poop and garbage rebuttal. (laughs) Poop and garbage agree. (laughs) Sledgehammer 44, colon, lightning war. From the pages of Lobster Johnson. From the pages of Hellboy. A machine with the spirit and humanity of a former soldier. Infiltrating the supernatural aspects of Hitler's Nazi party. is convinced to go help a fellow soldier in peril after (laughs) (laughs) like two and a half minutes long. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's over. 
That's it. That's my lightning God, round. God, help us I all. Every, I hope America's happy. That's you know, we it. No more, had a good... We're getting rid of the lightning round, too. This is it. Last <laughs> lightning <laughs> round. No, New we're not. segment's gone. So it'll this just is... be the intro. <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. Five Ghosts. The Slim Haunting wins. of Fabian Gray. Oh, my. Oh, my. What a book. Uh, from Image Comics. Uh, I think it started on Kickstarter. Of needed some heart. cash to get done, and then Image scooped it up. Uh, what's this book, Jonesy? What is it about? So, Fabian Gray is a classic adventure hero in the style of Indiana Jones and, you know, all those pulp everyman superhero archetypes. Uh, he is a thief slash treasure hunter on the uh, the trail of something called the Dreamstone. And his special power is that he is haunted by five literary ghosts. Uh, described in the comic as the detective, the vampire, the magician, the samurai, and I always forget the last one. The archer. The archer. Okay, and you, you, you know, you believe them to be Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, Merlin, Dracula, and I believe Mazamune is the samurai. So, during his adventures, I, no, is that a, is that a shaking? I think your head? Just make that up. How, how do you even know? How do you know? I was just going to work that into it. Was actually just Tom Cruise from the Last Samurai. Oh, it's perfect. That, okay, I like that played. even better. I like that even better. Alugerhead. So. <laughs> That High might five. Have been offensive. High I five. might edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> that was very offensive. That's how this, never mind. Anyway, so we are just coming off the rails here, people. Fabian Cortez style. <laughs> That's how Ken Watanabe would say it. But <laughs> so Fabian is on the trail of the Dreamstone. Uh, in his past, he himself uh, got shards of the Dreamstone lodged in his chest, and that's what uh, allowed him to gain uh, gain access to this realm of fiction and um, imagination that kind of powers his uh, five ghost abilities. And the way the mechanics work in the book is very clever. Uh, During a scene where he needs a particular skill, the pale apparition of whatever ghost he's using like appears next to him. So if he's trying to figure out a puzzle, you'll see like just the silhouette of Sherlock Holmes with his glass out. It's uh, really cool. And the story is about him trying to bring back his sister and his best friend's fiance, and he does that by trying to track down more Dreamstone, which will allow him to get her back. We don't really quite know exactly what happened. The five ghosts of Peter and Gray. <laughs> I, well, first of all, loved it. The second time I read it. Loved it. Wanted to smooch it a bunch. And I never wanted to end. Period. And I think I've said it several times, but I'll say it again. But Chris Mooneyham, his art on this book is, you know, it's like Busema plus Drink Class Jansen mixed into one mega star. And I would never want to not have Mooneyham on here. And they've done it once where they have kind of like a one-shot issue. Um, from like I think one of their buddies which worked great and it still fit the vibe of the book but 
love everything about this book. It's like, you know, you grow up on Indiana Jones type stories and you want more of that. This, this is that, this is that, this is that for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about Mooneyham just sets a tone and he keeps it. I mean, it's brilliant, brilliant stinking art by that and brilliantly stinking good art. Mooneyham, I love you. Um, yeah, this book evokes like the, I, I had a vibe where it evoked like a seriously good cartoon. Hmm. And I, and by that I mean like it could be like on the level of Samurai Jack or, and I don't mean like the art style, but just the vibe that it gave off and the, and the, the setting and the world that it was in. I just feel like that's like the, the power it gave off to me, Hmm. especially when Fabian hit the, uh, the test issue where he had to pass the test of all the ghosts that, that got, that was just amazing to me. Like that creativity where he had to be, you know, the ghosts that he's haunted by, are kind of not po. They're kind of po'd that he is able to evoke their power. They're like trapped with him, but they test him, and if they can, if he can pass their tests, that he can kind of stay. They can stay with him, and he can stay with them. But it just, it it was like a really cool vibe where I'm like, this could be work as a really high quality cartoon, like Samurai Jack or. Like Batman the Animated Series style almost. Like very pulpy, quasi-future. Yeah. Is it the future? Is it the past? Like setting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, or and by done the same like, token, Flash, uh, the television series. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you're using that as parameters. Is it good? Is it not? Is it okay <laughs> to drink? Is it okay to drink yet? Is it not? Am I dead? Am I living? <laughs> uh Dale, to your point, that two-issue segment where he's in the Dreamstone and has to wrestle control of himself by gaining the approval of those ghosts, uh, it's such a great story that I feel like he's used a lot. But uh, I wonder if, if Frank was just like in an office and he's like, I have a story, but my real goal is to just take every trope and a, a superhero comic and just do it all the right way. Like at no point, this is played straight the entire time. Uh, it feels like he's picked his favorite things from his adventure stories. Like mm-hmm. he's picked like, you know, as a fan himself, like this is something that I always wanted to put in my comic and I'm going to make sure it gets done the right way. And he just does it for, for every element that he has. He has the, uh, the Kung Fu element with the, um, the leader of Shangri-La who kind of guides Fabian. So he, he has like a great genre bending, um, element at the end of the story. I know I just said element like 60 times, so I apologize, (laughs) but there just seems like he just had a smorgasbord of everything he wanted to have in a comic and he got to do it. And it just blends so well that I, I had like a S eating grin on my face at least like 50 times why I read their first volume, just the cool stuff that he gets to do. I mean, there's just a, a one panel where he's next to the, uh, the ghost of the samurais in the first issue. And they both like 
do that thing when they flip out the oh, blade with yeah. their thumb mm. and they do it together and it's just mm. such a bad A moment. Oh, yeah. And the whole volume is filled with moments like that. It's such an incredible book. Every time he evoked one of those ghosts, like the just the imagery around it was just the coolest thing ever. I think subliminally too, I'm drawn to the character because he wears that Rocketeer esque jacket. I don't know oh, what that, the like heck. double-breasted. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. You know you're just a bad A yeah. you're wearing that jacket. They only period. issue those to bad A's. You can't even buy those in stores. You can't. Someone just from the bad A committee shows up at your house like, I yeah. think you need one of these. Yeah, you win the trophy, and then they present you with a coat, and that's it. And also those those khaki balloon pants where there's, like, points <laughs> at the hips, <laughs> yeah. and like, you don't know why anyone wears them that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I s- it does to bad A's. It does. <laughs> I, when, I like when I when this book was uh, still coming out monthly in this trade. Like I just couldn't understand how, like the this book just like snuck up on people. Like I just was amazed that a book that like I don't know was very under the radar could could have like all these qualities that I love in a book and and be pulled off so well. Like I was still I was still kind of stunned and and like. I just couldn't get it how, you know, oh, you read, I, I kept, this is one of those books where I kept saying, oh, you need to read Five Ghosts, you need to read Five Ghosts. Like, this is one of those books where I try to hand off to people or gift them digitally or whatever, but yeah. it's just a great, um, I mean, it, great pulpy series, but it draws in, you know, the Five Ghosts element brings you to other genres into the same story. Like, why not have samurais in an Indiana Jones movie? I mean, you can get that in this book. Perfect. Perfect comment. Perfect explanation. I couldn't have said better myself. The ability to have Indiana Jones meet Sherlock Holmes, and instead of being like Mary Sue, it makes perfect sense. Indiana Jones and Dracula. Oh, stop. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I, I like the whole aspect how he is kind of cursed with the fact that he has these powers but he alludes to the to the fact that he possibly sacrificed his sister to get them mm-hmm. in a way and now he's trying to repent for his mistake and he's constantly on the run from her or for, or for her because she is like comatose in a bed but he he sees imagery and he dreams about her uh, spirit is definitely sucked either into like to the world of the dream stone or you know, it's something, something to the bad people. You know, he's being, she's being held by the bad people, and he is constantly in a in a state of um, regret because he, you know, he has these powers, which is mega awesome, but at the expense of his sister, who whom he protected, and they grew up together, mm-hmm. constantly, you know, stealing food when they were younger and treasure hunting, quote unquote. <laughs> from the rich to support themselves if they didn't see you know from the rich bad people i didn't think i think the one difference like i say indiana jones a lot but indiana jones was kind of just like a nice guy in this book you kind of get a vibe that they weren't doing you know things within the best interest at least that's the vibe i got like maybe fabian wasn't you know someone you'd take to see your parents necessarily at least in my view i got the feeling that they were kind of playing up the middle they were a lot of shades of gray type of stuff and then shades of cortez shades of cortez <laughs> <laughs> and then what and then you know when when it cost them something when the stakes were high 
they're kind of forced to do good, and that's kind of like the path they're forced on. Hmm. Gotta watch out for yeah. Cortez, though. He's possessed by Moriarty and yeah. uh, the Who bad else? guy Tom from Cruise Ghost. From last the opposite Samurai. of Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the I mean, this is a per, this is a perfect gift. Uh, gift. It is a perfect gift. But I saw the trade paperback on Amazon. It's like five and change. Hmm. Is there on. a beautiful hardcover for you, Dale? No, I've I'm keeping my eyes peeled. But you know, this is this is an image. Props to Image for doing this, but they're doing this with all the releases now. They're getting like the first four or five issue arc of their volumes and just putting it out on like a ten dollar trade paperback, just and that's that's digestible. Yeah, it's 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 like that's the price point for a trade paperback with five issues. Like the, anybody is darn near willing to pick it up, and all, and then you see it on Amazon. You know their price is five and change, just because that's what they can charge because they're Amazon. I thought for a second you said it was available in digest size, and my heart fluttered a little bit <laughs> oh. that I could just throw <laughs> it, you know, throw it in an iPad case and take it around with right. me. Oh, yeah, you put it in your pocket, carry it around. That's what you would do. Wow. Yeah, this is a highly recommended. I love his. Uh, I love his little his friend with the glasses, his British friend. Uh, it's just there's a lot to like about this book. Fabian Gray is like a um, a likable character. He's like a superhero. James Bond gets the girls, has the cool toys. You know, he's great. How come there aren't James Bond comics? I don't know. Agreed. Uh, there was a James Bond cartoon. There's stands James there. Bond Junior. Yeah, remember that. I do remember that. I'm waiting for you to start James singing Bond that. Junior. I don't remember the theme song. I'll, now James I got to think. Bond. You maybe have to get the intern on that and have I that play not. during the uh, fireside. I may have James to. James Bond Junior. I remember that part. That's all I remember. So the so after this trade, it then went on kind of like a I think a month break. It came back with uh, issue six with Gary Brown, who does the massive. And now it's back with seven, and now it's officially an ongoing. So when this was coming out, it was kind of billed as a limited series. So, are you caught yeah, up? Get it? Uh, no, I haven't read issue seven yet. That's really quite good. It reminds mm. me of the. Um, you remember the Batman the Animated Series episode, the Day of the Samurai, where Batman has oh. to go back to Japan and face and face Kyoken. No racism on that <laughs> one. That's just his name. Uh, it, it's got a very strong day of the samurai vibe it's i thought that good. was six it's a two it's, six yeah but oh, six is parts? more like that ep- or seven is more like that episode six kind of okay. leads up to it mm. every issue was like that episode basically in my, in <laughs> my why, heart why why wouldn't why wouldn't it be i don't even care <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was the some of the best batman the animated series ones where he fought that ninja remember they had the fight in the lava and he had mm-hmm. the death touch and he he wore the 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 stuff in his chest to protect him from it. I found the spot where it had been hit many times and the leather was worn. What oh, a piece yeah. of crap lie that was, too. There's no way <laughs> Batman would have known to Is he or, the, or is he not the world's greatest touch. detective? He is. is he or is he, he not? Is. I think Absolutely Fabian is. Cortez is, uh, also has Bruce Wayne as one of his detectives. He has two <laughs> detectives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's actually all detectives and that guy from the last time, right? <laughs> Fabian Cortez Jr. <laughs> See, if people are listening to the SoundCloud version of this, they won't have any idea what the Fabian Cortez inside joke is. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you missed You missed it. Do we decide on a book club next yet? Uh, we have not, sir. Mm, I'm excited. Do we want to? To hear you guys pick. 
Uh, I want to hear mm-hmm. what John. I want to hear. Let's hear Jonesy pick oh, before God, I'm I hit, not, I'm hit not the ready outro. For that. Do we want to hear Jonesy pick? Jonesy hasn't made a pick since the Authority. Thank God, episode seven. And you guys didn't learn your lesson. Just this, just one suggestion, Jonesy, that isn't banned. <laughs> They're all banned. All my good suggestions are banned. Mm-hmm. Criminal. No. All right. Let's see. Uh, why not? Uh, what was the one I brought up before? The first volume of Fractions Iron Fist. How about that? We had a great show tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was paging through the app, and I had a brief idea, a twinkle in my eye. To do the very first Bendis Malieve Daredevil collection. It's not even just a trade. They have digital collections of like hardcovers. It's like, I think, 18 issues, maybe 15 issues. For Thursday? Let's do it. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Dale just pooped a little bit in his (laughs) panties. If we got a week to do it, then I I know all those 19 issues by heart anyway. I don't have to read them. Um. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll see everybody next week. Love you. James Bond Jr. of his his uncle? Yeah. Why would he be what's the heir of? Why why would he take his name? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. The best part is when he says he learned the game from his uncle James. That's all we need to know. <laughs> that should it's, be the only line of the theme song, really. Are they trying not to sully the canon of James Bond because he never had kids? Is that they they're worried about that mm-hmm. when they have an updated Jones, James he gets to do Bond some research Jr. on that. Wait, we'll get your people to. on it. I do know that it is uh, common in the Great Britains to be able to be a junior from your uncle. That's a thing. Weird. But I don't know why they did it in this case. I think we should just get right into Batman 26 right now. I want to hear Dale's thoughts on it. <laughs> no, no, I just <laughs> I just had a... Uh, I just agreed. For, I, I, whatever it is, I agree, because it's DC. I just agreed. So, Jonesy, did you read it? No, I, I stopped it. Justice League 3000. <laughs> he stopped reading, period. Reading comics. <laughs> yeah. Thank God you read the book club. I tried Jumped to flush my train. iPod uh, iPad down the toilet. Oh, my heavens. Tried to have your pet bird poop on it. <laughs> poop your iPad. Did you... Have you, any of you uh, read, like, the last issue or the issue before for Batman Zero Year? No, I downloaded There's, uh, the one, that great cover, which is the side of his face, but I haven't read it yet. I almost don't want to give you a negative impression before you read it, but I will anyway. Uh, so Jim Gordon and Bruce have like this negative relationship in zero year. 
they have this kind of unspoken history that Bruce Wayne despises Jim Gordon. Whoa. So I think it first starts where they're they're coming out of the Bat Cave and Jim Gordon kind of comes to the Wayne Matter to talk to him about his uncle or for whatever reason and Bruce really gives him the cold shoulder like hardcore. And uncle James Bond. I think so. I think it's regarding James Bond Jr. And he sees him again in this hospital. Um, and Jim Gordon comes to visit him. So Bruce is like, he essentially tells him to buzz off. And then he asks him about his trench coat that he's wearing. He's like, where'd you get that trench coat? And he tells the story, classic Scott Snyder flashback story. He tells the story about how Bruce got picked up by a truancy officer and at the time, uh, police officer Jim Gordon. So they put young Bruce Wayne in the back of this car and he tells a story about how he felt like he was, you know, very in safe hands with these police officers. You know, he shouldn't have thought anything else. And this cop goes into this garment, uh, store and, and he's like, what are you doing? Oh, we're just checking in on people. Jim Gordon's still in the car with him. So this guy comes back out with these brand new trench coats and he hands one to Jim Gordon and then Bruce flashback to present present past and young Bruce is like, you guys are taking payoffs from these people. You you weren't helping these people out. You were taking money to watch over them. You're a crooked cop, Jim Gordon. And Jim Gordon just like stands there with his head down wearing this trench coat. So they're making it seem like Jim Gordon was really a schlub when he was in his in his youth. Wow. I don't believe it. Unless it's a swerve and and they I don't know, maybe Jim has this other story where he's gonna tell Bruce and they're gonna be friends again, but no. I'm guessing that through zero year they become trusting of each other somehow, and and maybe Jim Gordon was kind of a deadbeat early in his career. Well, that's why I called you know Scott Snyder Swerving Scott Snyder the Maestro. I mean that is how we got his name. <laughs> you call him Swerving? I'm not. I do this could as be the of first right time, now. As of the second. As of this moment, I think, I think Maestro is Italian for Swerve, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you would know you're taking those I uh, you know Italian classes. That's right. I'll have to ask. I mean, in in year one, he was a good man, but then ended up cheating on his pregnant wife. Oh. And that was, like, his negative in that. But I don't remember being a crooked cop, at least. I mean, mean, perfectly fine cheating on your pregnant wife, but (laughs) take some bribes. God. I mean, that that new female cop that came to Gotham Central. Sarah Essen. Cut him a break. Cut him a G-damn break. Gotham Central. Yeah, I like that cigarette, Essen. Let's read Gotham Central. What? I mean, she looked really sexy in that book, too. You want to read Gotham My Central? God. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. That's I what, was talking about year talking one. About. That's what I was talking about. We might have to do the, the Malieve book, which we need to start reading immediately if we have to end the show. <laughs> I'm actually starting yeah. reading an hour ago, preemptively. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, good get read this week besides Justice League 3000? Cap was really good. Mm-hmm. Did you read issue mm-hmm. 14? I did. Man, did indeed. I didn't think you could really explore Nuke any further than he was. And then, uh, you know, prove me wrong there, Rick. I like the um, photography, the press person in yeah. that issue with Falcon. I like that little dynamic. I don't uh, I don't even really know who Falcon is, but that B-plot where he, he decides to, like, trust, give somebody a little slack, and then it blows mm-hmm. up in his face. It's really oh, great. man. Poor Falcon. Could I? Could I, I like just, the Falcon now? Did Chris Jones say that out loud? <laughs> I like the Falcon. Wow. Well, you want to be a Falconer? That's your <laughs> That's first true. step. Yeah, you just ripped right to the heart of the matter, didn't you? Yep. 
That's your first step, man. I I I didn't read the issue, but Jet Black has started me questioning myself. <laughs> no, it's start like her costume is so absurd. It started just making me look at costumes in general. Uh-huh. Her costume Women. Magic's costume with those things sticking out of her head. That's not... What is that material? Is it, fa- it, is it just hard fabric? Darmanu made it for her from in Limbo. <laughs> you wish. That was Limbo material. That's corduroy, like Jones said. I just don't... It's like two-dimensional. If she turned to her side, it would disappear. If you looked at her profile, it would just disappear. You, you know, wouldn't see... You know who designed that costume? Your boy, Chris Bacalo. I know. You're, you're pooling know. on his great name right now. And he's a beautiful man, and he, he just has woke up in a art. cold sweat somewhere. And then jet black, she's got like half of a, like ace bandages on her feet, and they just wrap up to the rest of her body half <laughs> half her body symmetrically. I just it's, it's absurd. She it's comes not that even from like, another dimension. That's how dimension they dress. Z. Think fabrics a whole different she's thing. Probably over a there. fashionista in dimension yeah. Z, an icon. I I guess so. I just you know I. You know, it, just me and my USA, you know, bathing suit that's not Speedos. It's just, it's just you know, European cut. It must be. Yeah, it's like the European style, which we'll never understand over here, I guess. Other than that, you know, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Did you read um, the other point Spidey issues yet? I did not. Do you hear there's a big internet kerfuffle about it? Really? Big kerfuffle. What's the writer wasn't happy with the final final product. He said he sent in revisions that never got changed, and he was like really PO'd about it. Apparently, he wrote really? Rambo. Whoa, the Same movie writer. or that the awful book. cartoon? I think the book. Oh wow, wow! Yeah. So he he set a Facebook update saying, "Yeah, I was not happy. If you buy this book at your local com at my local comic shop, I'll send you the script changes and I think something wow. else." Was it the um, the fir- the point two or the point three? Because there's two different writers. Do you know? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it looks like they're the fr- doing whatever a- the frozen one is. Okay, yeah, that's one and two. He said there was like some really lame jokes in it that he didn't write, and then there was like Moral. a duplicate text somewhere, <clears throat> and it was really interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Carfuffle. Looks like they're still word. Looks like they're doing kind of a uh, a. Avenging or sat or or it, it's almost nearly exactly like Daredevil Dark Knights. There would be a two issue arc by a writer, then they get off, and somebody else hops mm. on for an issue or two. That's what it looks like. It's turned out to be interesting. Yeah. Did you read any? I I haven't read Uncanny Avengers in a hot minute, but oh, I yeah. I guess there's some drama or a lot of drama. Lot is this a spoiler? Spoilerly drama? Right I mean, now? it's a week old. I guess we can spoilerly talk about it. If you don't want to hear about whatever happened in Uncanny Avengers, turn it off or fast forward or end the show now. But I want to hear it because I probably won't read it. So the Apocalypse Twins have this grand plan to talk Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man into using their powers to bring uh, this kind of arc scenario happening where they get rid of all the mutants, I believe. And I'll be the first to say that some of the stuff is still very confusing to me. The Remenda, Remender stuff on this is very, I think I talked about it before, where it gets like very deep, wordy text, uh, yeah, philosophical yeah. stuff where it kind of yeah. lost me a little bit. 
But so they need Scarlet Witch to betray the Avengers uh, to do this. And over the course of the whole series, Scarlet Witch and Rogue have been at odds and they haven't really seen eye to eye and it's been building and building. And so Scarlet Witch are, and Wonder Man are with the Apocalypse Twins on their own and they concoct this plan to to use her power but to really get rid of the Apocalypse Twins. So they tell these two twins that they're going to do their bidding. And this whole time, Wolverine, Rogue, Havoc, Cap are trying to find Scarlet Witch and um, it they find out or they see that Scarlet Witch is like they kind of I can't remember if they they hear from the Apocalypse Twins or they see Scarlet Witch is in cahoots with them so Wolverine is like Rogue go find out what's happening but no more killing no more death like I've had enough I can't do it anymore because like his son is now resurrected and he's fighting him so he's like he's just kind of done with the whole thing. So he's like, go find out what's happening, just take care of it, but no more killing. So she absorbs his powers. She's got bone claws, and she sees Scarlet Witch raising up, about to do this thing for the Apocalypse Twins. So she goes up and she guts Scarlet Witch with the claws. Oof. And she's like, so she's like, oh, I knew it. I knew you were bad the whole time. You were nothing, no good for us. So she's like, like- she's croaking hard. Uh, off of this and then um, the Reaper Sam or Wonder Man's brother who was also yeah. who was killed by Rogue also resurrected as a horseman puts his Sith right in Rogue's back Ooh. so she's like now getting murdered and then you, she's like croaking and you're like oh well, maybe she'll make it he electrifies his Sith and she's like <laughs> totally like <laughs> to the point where she's just bones. She's literally just bones now. So Rogue and Scarlet Witch die in this issue. Damn. And Wolverine sees this and it's it was it's McNiven art, so it, it brought me back to not as good, but it brought me back to Old Man Logan, where it's like Wolverine at his lowest point, where he just wants to, he's like he just wants to put his head on the train tracks kinda low. So he sees this, and he's just like, no! And uh, so the Apocalypse Twins are, like, about to open up the gates to get rid of all the mutants and stuff. It was a pretty... I I thought it was really good. It's not McNiven's best stuff, but towards the end, he really, like, took it up a few notches art-wise. His art's kind of changed a little bit for me of recent years, but, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not... There's internet furor about it, but what else is new? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Guys, we should do Old Man Logan. Oh, God. God. My God. Guys. Oh, God. God. Guys. Splurt, splurt, splurt. Old Man splurt, Logan splurt, next splurt. week? Are, are we in this? Oh, God. Are we, are we in God. this together? I mean, the scene where he's walking and the yeah. animals wouldn't even look at Wolverine mm. after he did what he did. The animals, Dale, they didn't want anything to do with him. And they he were the ones with that the pack. best. McNiven's He's best stuff. McNiven, McNiven will, might never top his stuff in Old Man Logan. Period. Hear that, McNiven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should do it. I, I, I pull the trigger. I would, I would say we could do it. We just did a Wolverine book. We though, did, but it was on. one of our most downloaded episodes in I know. history. <laughs> That's why we can't. We can't. We once we got a taste of that, we can't start chasing that dragon. Guys, you know I what I mean. Think- we leave it to you to turn it to an opium opium reference. <laughs> uh, opium Chinese dance. We, Come on, guys. 
Guys. Now it's time for you All to right. do that Algren line again, Gen Z. <laughs> no, to, to no, come leave, full circle. Leave the heat on Dale. Don't bring it back to me. So, old man Logan, then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's F and do it. Done. We oh, we God. determine the direction Can't we take wait. into Wolverine Can't. fandom. Can't wait. Oh, so the ending of Uncanny Avengers were uh, Scarlet Witch had said. Um. I think she said more mutants as as her like dying breath. Well, she said more mutants. So in my head, I was like, "Wow, this is a weird timing between Inhumanity and Scarlet Witch saying more mutants." Because what I forgot, what did we just reread? Oh, uh, Avengers versus X Men. That that ending where they they were like more mutants happening. I totally forgot about. I thought we were still down to like two hundred mutants on the planet. Now everybody started coming back. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, wow. So Uncanny Avengers, it's um, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I'm not sure if I love it or dislike it, but it's it's interesting. There's some good stuff. Like I like that it brings back the Wolverine storyline from Uncanny X Force, where he killed his kid. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> what you you hit on it earlier, Slim. I just kind of fell off of it because it just got very wordy, wordy and philosophical. Yeah, like it, it was just that kind of comic, and it, and it was turning into something that I, I, it was like almost like uh, new issues out. I got to read this thing, but and, and I'll think, read it last. I, yeah, and for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm maybe not in the right frame of mind or I'm not totally not distracted from anything, but when I read it, sometimes I have to reread it. Like, did I just read that paragraph? I have to go back and read it. Like, that, 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 that happens like five times when I read Uncanny Avengers. There's just so much yeah. dialogue from these villains that I need to like concentrate to read. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah, and you get discouraged. Like as soon as you turn the page, or as soon as you open the book, and you get, you just get discouraged when you see it, how many word bubbles. It's like, ooh, yeah, man. Then you want a Justice League three thousand it. Totally. JL three. Bird's got to poop somewhere, Slim. Oh my. Bird's got to poop somewhere. <laughs> oh my. You should have shown that. Oh my. <laughs> Old man Logan. It's, look, sounds like we'll be uh, having a. A highest downloaded month for Christmas. That's what'll be our Christmas Christmas gift. Just to make a Wolverine podcast, for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, we'll probably be in the top ten of top ten Wolverine podcasts. iTunes. Our intro (laughs) iTunes bumper should be that part from uh, Hugh Jackman in the uh, uh, what was it? The Oscars where he's on the Bat Pod, and he says, "I am Wolverine." Where he does an opening number. I'll have to link it to you. You high on opiates right now? <laughs> Some know of your it. opiate fantasies? Arugulan. <laughs> it should probably it should probably just be all Wolverine from the animated series. Whoever did that voice, oh, we yeah. will contact him to do all the bumpers. Oh man. <laughs> we'll win you know, he, you know he'd do it. You know he would do it. He would do it in a second. We'll we'll find him at the next Wizard World and uh <laughs> Drum him up, or some horror con in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's probably where he'd be. 